the reason why you start getting the product marketing in line is because you have to figure out how you're actually going to communicate what you have to the market. Hey there, Powder Keg fans. Thank you for joining us on episode 77 of Powder Keg Igniting Startups, the show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators building remarkable tech companies and communities outside of Silicon Valley. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and I am chomping at the bit to start today's show because today we're talking about something every company at every stage needs to know, how to create a product development process that works. And we've got not one, but two experts on the subject, um, both from uh, a very exciting digital product agency here in the Midwest. Last year, they made the Inc. 5000 list and were the number two fastest growing company in the state of Indiana. In just five years, they've helped more than 125 startups, scale-ups, and tech-enabled businesses launch, manage, and market beautiful digital products. In fact, their work has helped Six of their clients reach an exit already. They're very good at what they do. I've seen their work. It is phenomenal. And to help you understand just how complex product development can be, just want to share a couple of stats. Um, only one out of every seven product ideas will yield a successful product. For every seven new product ideas, only four actually reach product development. And 25 to 45% of new products fail in the market. 25 to 45%. So these two guests today help you reduce the amount of failure and increase your chances of success. Uh, and so let me introduce those two gentlemen today. First up, we've got someone who, before starting this product agency, worked at Aprimo and Teradata as a product executive. In May 2014, he launched Innovate Map to help tech companies better execute their product design product management, and product marketing. He is a proud graduate from Purdue University. Boiler up. Please welcome CEO and executive product partner from Innovate Map, Mike Reynolds. Mike, thanks for being here today, man. Good to be here, Matt. All right. And I'm going to introduce our second guest here who's sitting across the table from me. Uh, our next guest led design teams for large enterprise software teams like Autodesk and Aprimo. He works closely with founders of startup and scale-up tech companies to take their ideas and turn them into well-designed and profitable products. He leads the design practice and is an executive partner at Innovate Map. Please help me welcome Christian Beck. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for being here, man. All right, we're going to dive right into this. Uh, we are talking about the product development process, and you guys have worked with us and helped us from afar on some of our product. I've seen you help so many companies down this path. Um, one of the things that I think can be so daunting for tech teams is to understand kind of just the lay of the land of what is the product development process. What are we actually talking about? If you can kind of give me a scope, is that is that just the moving pixels on a screen or are you talking about even from the earliest stages of like, I have an idea when you talk to your clients, what, where do you usually start with them? Yeah, this is good. So <clears throat> we'll describe it. I mean, one of our even innovate map taglines is a uh, dream design and deliver. Uh, so it's really from concept to going to market launch is really what, what, what someone would describe the full product development process. I, I also would say uh, two key pieces, even in the word product development, you've got, Product side, are we building the right thing? You've got the development side, are we building the thing right? So if we're talking about that process, we're typically 
um, engaging with an idea at one of those stages. Mm -hmm. Either they built something and they need help, uh, you know, delivering it to market or launching it. Uh, Love working at the idea stage. We get to kind of contribute all the way through that process. Um, But when we're thinking about that, uh, or how even people should be thinking about it, is from how do I get an idea that's, you know, just just an idea on a sketch pad, whiteboard, uh, to something that is actually able to be sold and bought and used by users, that entire process. I love that. And when you're looking at um, this idea stage, Christian, uh, where does the design piece of this actually come come into effect? Is it you know once you've decided on the idea and once you've decided, yeah, I'm going to actually build something, or are you thinking about design even in the earliest stages of deciding what idea to work on? Well, I'm a designer, so I'm thinking about design from scratch. So uh, that's a, it's a loaded question for myself, but um, I think that the design. I think a lot of times in digital products, we think of design as starting once you're headed towards actual coding. So before it gets coded, you've got to have designs to help guide the, the, the developers to actually build it. But what we find a lot of times working with startups that have really early stage ideas and aren't even, don't even have anything out in the market, that design can really help at the concept stage. So if you have a great idea in your head um, in the digital space, at some point you've got to get something that looks real out there. And so for us, we would call that a concept design or, or vision, you know, vision concepts where you take these big ideas and yes, you do put you know, you know, uh, uh, pen to pixel, as it were, and actually get something out there, uh, whether it's a prototype or just a screen that goes inside of a, of a pitch deck. But really, I think design starts there because it helps you start to understand how your idea would, would become real. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start there, if you don't mind, uh, Mike. When you're looking at that product development process, um, whether it's a startup or a scale up, yep. um, and, and maybe there's just pure idea stage. Let's say there's nothing else at yep. a company, but we've got a couple big ideas we could go and tackle. Mm-hmm. How do you how would you suggest to that company they start to rank order, you know, which, are you rank ordering, like which idea to tackle first or which one is most valuable to customers? What is sort of that like beginning stages of the process look yeah, like? Yeah, well, the beginning is first of all, you're not coding anything yet. Yep. That's the first one I would say. All the, right. the, the, I mean, Rule don't, one. Don't, don't run don't to code. that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of what I would say at this point you're in the, of the phase, when it's just at the idea, you are complementing business and design uh, to really help vet, where, you know, the concept, not just vet the concept, but if it's an existing product and the idea is really enhancement to it, you're kind of be able to work with an existing market that you can start having conversations and validating. You actually have um, existing ideas and roadmap to kind of balance it against. But if it's if it's a literal startup starting from scratch, blank page, you're trying to start to think through uh, the market. You know, okay, this is a great idea. That's fine. If you build it, they don't come. You know, it, it, it's it's you've got to find our. It's a grand idea, but we see a lot of good ideas. Is there a market for that idea? Yeah. So, and, and, then, and then you're going to be on that journey running that hypothesis you know, the first several years. But what, really starting what, to th- what are some of the things that uh, a startup would do to start to define, is there a market for this? Like, what, what would be a good exercise for them to start with? Yeah, I, I, big, big believer in conversations. Yep. You know, so if, if you're, you know, if, if you're going to build, uh, you know, if you got an idea to solve software, a product idea for surgeons, whether it's for the insurance industry, start talking to what would be the potential market, having conversations about current pains, workflows. I wouldn't go feature hunting, you know, don't go and say, if I built this, would you use it? Especially at a concept phase. Gonna and, be- and why wouldn't you do that? Well, for starters, you don't have anything to really, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, you're still, it's really pretty 
unbaked at this point. Yeah. You know, and, and just running an idea. And a lot of times you can get false positives by excitement and energy. So anyway, conversations with potential market will so start to... So you're not a believer of, uh, I've got this great idea, I need to protect it and work on it in my lab and, until it's ready for the market so that I don't tip anyone off. I don't want anyone to steal my idea. Uh, do you run into any of that with uh, any of the, the companies you've, you've talked to, whether they're clients or outside of Innovate Map? I would say a little bit. And when, when I agree with you, first and foremost, yes, I'm not an advocate of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've, got, you've got to get it out there. And honestly, in the digital space, it's very different. I, if, if you're doing a physical product like a new combine engine or a new shoe or something like that, I could see where you want to have patents and keep that tight-lipped. But um, in the digital space, uh, you can change things in flight that really uh, getting that out there faster, uh, validating that is, is too important. It all comes down to execution. It's, it's too important, yeah. L- less about the idea and more about the actual process of vetting. Is there a market for this? And if there is, can I take that product to market? Yeah, and the, and the one other thing I say, so that's just kind of vetting, do you have a market? Yep. Uh, a parallel thread to that is I would start thinking through the design. Uh, to just kind of piggyback on Christian's point from earlier, we're thinking about design the whole way through. Okay. So if I'm going to share my idea with someone, it's great to share it. I mean, it literally can complete the story more quickly if I have a concept design. Yeah. You know, say, yeah, this is, this is what I'm seeing. It actually, it almost forces a rigor on the entrepreneur to start thinking through their vision and what it would be and what it would be like to interact with it. Um, you know, getting that started from an early stage is a good point too. Well, and, and I'd, I'd love to talk uh, to Christian a little bit more about this because you, you even helped us a little bit with one of our mock-ups that we got early feedback on sort of the platform that we started building last year with just a very preliminary product design um, with the intent to just get put enough into the design where you can start getting feedback. Uh, and, and it was amazing from just one screenshot, one mock-up screenshot, how many different things we could get feedback on mm-hmm. as opposed to... Um, you know, in this particular example, we're like, I don't know that we would actually want to display the information quite like that. And and this was great guidance by you guys, because uh, when we did take it out, there was so much potential design aspects for people to interact with that we could talk about that one slide for 15, sometimes 15 minutes to an hour, right. as opposed to if we were just looking at, you know, a profile page or something like that you're not going to have that much conversation about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that it's one particular thing. Well, and when we talk about, especially in the early stage for design, it's a communication piece, especially mm-hmm. if you're, if you're a visionary founder I mean, you don't have to be Steve jobs to be considered visionary, but meaning well, that's you're, good. yeah, well, I mean, you just, if you get a black turtleneck, you're like halfway there. So <laughs> you, you get that first. I'll and tell then my you, girlfriend. <laughs> so if you, if it, when we say visionary, we're, we're just really mean that, you know, to Mike's point, if you've got an idea for surgeons or for insurance or for any, any domain that's underserved by technology, and you've got a vision that's different than where the market is today, you have to start communicating what's in your head uh, into something that other people can understand. So in the end, you're going to design a product that's usable, that people understand how it's using. But really, in that very beginning, that's not even where you're worried about. What you're, what you're talking about, we've worked with with you, and when we've worked with, with a lot of other clients at that stage where they're uh, pitching to investors or, or going and do pitch competitions, or sometimes they're just coming and say, I got this great idea, but I have no idea if it's got any legs. So we start with design. We do market research, you know, potential customer research to figure out what's out there. But we start designing at that point to just communicate what's in your head. And sometimes it's like if you've ever written anything, a blog or a five paragraph essay in grade school, uh, 
sometimes the idea in your head, once it comes out, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's not, that's not great. <laughs> or sometimes you look at it and you uncover something that you didn't know was there. So if you put in mock-ups of a design, uh, you might start saying, these are the things I want to put in there. You put them in there, find out some of these things don't work, but you start seeing that as I start laying this out, I see opportunity for something totally different. Mm. And you can now start to take that to prospective customers to see what their reactions are, to see if it even accomplishes any of the goals you set out to do. It can also spur new thoughts from the market that they wouldn't have otherwise given you with just you know going and asking them questions. When you're having those conversations, um, how, how do you have those conversations in a way that you're going to get the get the kind of feedback you need as opposed to the kind of feedback you want to hear? Does that question make sense? Very much. Oh yeah, I think I think ini- <laughs> I think initially when you do something, I will be totally honest. You you just try to go get positive reinforcement. So <laughs> let's just put that out there. I'm not going to sit here and say like from the jump everybody goes and gets the harshest like most critical feedback. I think we all have a tendency to show our friends, show people that know us. But eventually, when you start to like get a little bit braver and think, all right, I want to get some like actual feedback out there. Um, I think one of the things that you're trying to do even at this at this stage you still got to set it up with with asking pain oriented questions about what they're trying to achieve mm-hmm. you can't to mike's point you can't just sit there and and show them something show them some design for a product without leading them down the path of 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 pain so if you think about a pitch deck to investors. We do decks the same way for evangelizing ideas and they work a lot of the same way. You're really trying to like validate that there's a pain that exists and then take you down this journey to say, okay, I've got that pain. And then you start showing them some of your ideas and they start to, you either see some, you know, people scratching their heads or people nodding their heads. You start understanding that, okay, I, I believe that there's that problem you've established. And now I believe looking at this design, you've got something really compelling here. That's great. Anything you'd add to that, Mike? One thing that we and just make a distinction even at Innovate Map and recommend people is uh, when you're dealing with design this way, there's a big difference between, and we like to hi- highlight, UX for pitch versus UX for production. Mm. And at this point, you're actually just worried about UX for pitch. You're okay. trying to get as many of your ideas out there to something, to Christian's point, that's a communication vehicle. Yeah. It might suggest multiple features, yeah. future features. And really, you're using that as the vehicle and the tool in these conversations to talk about the product okay. as opposed to just having to be mysterious and count on your rambling uh, to get the point across. You know? so, so let's say that um, I've done some of this early pitching uh, with design and I've gotten some feedback. Now I've got some uh, validation to say, I want to go down in this path of product design uh, in terms of product development. What's that next step? Is it, is it to kind of come in and say like, what are the features um, yeah, this, this is where you start, um, you know, and, and a lot of product managers would be the ones on point for this discipline. You kind of think like any ideas really start with a product manager and, and complemented by the UX designer. And they're just really starting to think through the business side and the design complemented. And UX at this point I mentioned is being used to really help bring, you know, the concept to life. But w- after you're getting the feedback, this is the time that you're really starting to think through what's first. Mm. You know, I mean, so if, if this, if this mock-up, if, if your idea is big, you know, it's, it could be, you know, it could be. 30 things over the next five years. You've got to start using those feedback conversations to help influence the priority of maybe what to build first. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and then it's not time to stamp uh, an MVP, you know, to define what is the MVP, but it's, to, it's time to start thinking about what's priority. Okay. You know, and, and a real healthy one is love backlog because stuff can move up, down, change in order. Uh, talk to me about backlog uh, for, for those that maybe aren't steeped in yeah, so product development. Backlog, I mean, in... in, in Anything digital, uh, 
you know, it was done in agile fashion. It should be. Okay. I should say that. Uh, and, and what it was in agile fashion? Uh, meaning it embraces change. Okay. So, I mean, traditional, first, certainly physical products would be done maybe in traditional project management. Yep. You know, where it's, uh, you know, you have a plan, any deviation of the plan is change, change is bad, and so forth. In a digital world, it's, it's very different. You want to embrace change. Right. So that's your competitive is, advantage, That's right? your competitive advantage. So what... To, to manage that project, you actually use backlogs. It's a, it's a different, agile project management is using a backlog, which is basically, you imagine here are all the things that I want to get done, uh, and they're stacked ranked. Okay. You know what I mean? So if, if, if I've got a mock, if I've got a vision, I just use loose numbers, it suggests 10 features. I've got a mock-up that kind of suggests or clearly conveys how I might approach those 10 features to give you know, a nice vehicle of, to, to someone to absorb. If I'm getting positive, you know, reaction to it that should be influencing where we're, i'm going to start yep you know where i'm like i'm seeing the first incarnation of this include these top four features my my vision is grand i'm not attempting to do all 10 don't 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 product development do not start any quests i describe a quest as any product project that's over 12 months okay. no, those don't those shouldn't exist anymore either yep right it's some semblance of you know a, a, a lean minimally viable product should come to market. So after this feedback, you're really going into the, okay, now what's priority? Right. And then, and, and how, what, what, uh, variables are you usually, um, looking at to define what gets priority? Yeah. So big one is business goal. You know, like what are you trying to achieve? Yep. Uh, cost and feasibility are going to start to come in. These are the, the other great thing about a consummate it's, it's a great vehicle to start having conversations with the technologists in the room. Yeah. Okay. So you should, at this point, whether it's a, you know, your, your, your head technologist, CTO, whether it's the architect, to, to, to start, like, validating the feasibility of this. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and that matters. Like, yep. don't, number one feature, if it's a must-have uh, and, it, and, it, and it's a lot to build, then you have to take that into consideration. And, and it, I think it's important to note at this point, um, you know, I, I started my first software development agency over a decade ago now, uh, just how important it is to have reliable resources that you know uh, – that when they say this is the estimate for, for building this thing, that they're probably at least 80% right on right. that thing. Uh, and that wrong estimates can really throw off a product development process. Yeah, for sure. And I think if we go back to what we talked about to this point with all of the design work and, and even this backlogs and maybe even a three, six and 12 month roadmap, that gets you a lot better estimates, whether you are bringing development in house or you are trying to outsource it to a development when you're just trying to get sort of that, that first customer, all of that stuff that, that Mike was just talking about, all the prioritization, all the feature definitions, all the designs help bring down the cost of dev because it brings much more accurate estimates. Mm. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times I talk to people that have great ideas, they have some money, so they think I need to go get somebody to build this right away. Well, that's to me like I've got a grand vision for a new house, so I'm just going to walk to this open plot of land and just start dictating how I want the house to be built. Nobody would do that. People would go to an architect. They would go work through with, with people who are going to handle the plumbing and who are going to handle the infrastructure. It's the same process here. The more details you have up front, typically you'll end up with lower costs, but, but more importantly, you'll end up with a more accurate picture of, of timeline. So I think if you do all this pre-work that we're talking about, that's really impactful for once you actually start to build the product. I love that metaphor, and it, it's definitely, uh, definitely a good one to think about if you want the right end product as opposed to some like Frankenstein, uh, hodgepodge, uh, 
I'm trying to think of the right word for the metaphor. That's right. <laughs> you know, like combination of buildings that have been cobbled together with yeah. hallways and and hodgepodge plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to stay on that, because I know by the house analogy is a fantastic one because yeah, it, it, it must be it must be it, it involves the reason it's nice, even though it's not a digital product. The concept about the approach is, is one that people can resonate with, where it, it involves a lot of design. Uh, there's a lot of business constraints and it's, you know, technical engineering involved as well. Yeah. You know, but if you think about it, when I was using the criteria of what's the business goal, this is what I mean by this. So if I'm going to build a dream home, my uh, big number one question, am I going to live here forever? I'm going to flip this home in a month mm-hmm. after it's built. Mm-hmm. Okay, based on that answer, you design a very different home. I'm just sure. going to tell you, you pick different features, like translate this to something. You pick very different features. You're going to design them very differently. But if you can envision then having the conversation with um, trying to socialize, this is the home I want to build, you would want the pictures of the home. You would want the blueprints. That's kind of the constant mock-up equivalent, yep. right? And you don't know all the detail. You know what, what sink or you know, you know where the sink is in the kitchen. You're going to get to the production-level design. You're going to get to it at some point. If you prioritized the goal is less, I'll just stay on this analogy. If it's, yeah, if this is great. The goal is I want to build this house. I want to be able to move in by the summer. Yep. Okay. You can finish the basement later. You might want to have that in the mock-up. You can pour or pool later. That might be in the mock-up. MVP is I got to have a kitchen, right? So you might start prioritizing the kitchen. This, this same mechanic actually starts applying to the product development process. You know what I mean? Get, get your idea with design, get it to print, socialize it, have the conversations before you've poured concrete, right? Have the conversations. You're giving, you are totally giving a design-led deliverable to the technologists in the room. The, the engineers and architects love it. It's, the functionality has been thought through. The design approach have thought through. Honestly, they're excited to code that knowing that that, that, has, that pre-work has been done, yep. you know, and they're going to make it bulletproof. You know, so anyway, just a lot of that house analogy, if someone hasn't done this process, uh, conceptually is good to think about. You know, not yeah. just caveat. I mean, there's, yes, there's digital nuances, but um, people would get that. So let's, let's say that we've, um, we've identified we want to build, um, especially in the startup stage, a lot of times you are building that house to flip. Right? You're, right, you're building your MVP to prove that there is a market for this, to prove that you built the right features and that people want these features. Um, let's say we've identified that. And this could even be at a, at a scale-up or an enterprise. Right. If it's sort of a, a Skunk Works project that, or product that you want to kind of stand up, you might not say, all right, well, this is going to be the dream home right away. You might say, well, let's just kind of put something together where you can start getting feedback. Yeah. Um, what is... Uh, let's say we've identified the four features we're going to build into this. What's the next step in the product development process? And, and how do you make sure as you build that you're uh, doing it with uh, sort of iterative uh, product development in mind? I would say one of the things, I don't know if it's next or happening a little bit in parallel. I think a lot of the stuff we've talked about might a little bit happen in parallel, but I think... Yeah, yeah de- definitely put me back on course here because... We, well, so at, at this stage, so product, the, the, the development and in, in iterating on the features is happening right now. At the same time, you've got to get out on the marketing front. Marketing and sales have got to be happening at that point too. You don't wait until the product is perfect. You don't wait till it's even finished getting built. Some, sometimes people don't even wait until they started building. You, you can sell a product... Uh, before it's even ready. Although all the people who watch the the Firefest you know documentary are a little <laughs> bit shy about doing something like that these days. But the fact is that the reason why you start mark- getting the product marketing in line is because you have to figure out how you're actually going to communicate what you have to the market. You have some initial 
potential customers that you've probably been talking to at this point. But now you have to figure out, even if you get those, how are you going to get more of those people? And that's going to come through messaging. So you got to figure out what is the position you're going to take in the market. And then how are you going to message this to those, mm-hmm. to those users? So mm-hmm. a lot of times we, there's a lot of different vehicles for this, depending on the type of you know, application you're building. If it's a B2B, you know, back office SaaS product, or it's a consumer-based app, the, the, the product marketing varies. But a lot of times we'll start with getting the product site out there to start communicating what the product is, who it's meant for. That process starts to help you figure out uh, not just who you're targeting, but who you're not targeting initially. And that needs to happen in parallel with the feature development to make sure that uh, while you're validating that the product might be valuable, you also need to be validating, uh, are you talking about it in the right way? So, so one thing I'd even add, I mean, literally, if I kind of were to say there's a dream design delivered to market stage, that's what we do. When you're ending the dream stage, you should be things that you should be equipped with. You should start to be thinking about a strategy, sales strategy, marketing strategy. You should have a splash page up for okay. your product. You should have... Uh, what, what's that splash page communicating? Very light. It's capturing, you know, it's, 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 it's teasing out the, you know, it, think of it as coming soon. Think of it as, well, one, you want to grab the domain, but think of it as coming soon. Think about it as starting to draw attention. As you're out socializing, if people want to check if this thing's real, it, it kind of clicks the credibility factor. You're also equipped with, at this point, probably a socialization deck mm-hmm. that's kind of revealing, here's my plan to build it. So some of the roadmaps are there. Here is my concept. Here's my market. Here's my prime market. Here's my, you're starting to test messaging, probably inserting your concept mockups into that yep. to help socialize the idea. And then in addition to that, so I mean, if you're equipped with, you know, you, you got your deck, you got your splash page, you got your preliminary messaging, you've got your concept mockups. And then in the parallel thread that you're starting is you're having the architecture conversations and, and you're about to start the real product development process. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the talk to me about the design of that pre-marketing, uh, pre-selling landing page. Let's say this is beyond the teaser coming soon sort of page. When you start actually saying, uh, here's the pain point we're solving and, and just walk me through that structure. Yeah, uh, yeah, what totally a good. Great product well, marketing. So one, page. one thing, one thing that we'll typically recommend. I just, I, I love to say this and have people at peace with this. All digital products are eating, living, breathing things, and they'll always be evolving. And that includes your website, that includes your powerpoints, and definitely includes your actual, you know, application. Um, you know, as you're as you think about your initial pitch deck, as you're you're going to test what messaging is working. You're going to test what how the story is, and that will evolve. Yep. Uh, the site is the same thing. You know what I mean? So if you're, if it's, let's just say, a brand new idea and you're zero to six months, you want to get it to market in month six. At month zero, you've probably got a splash page. At month three or four, when you have some semblance of what the product is, its feature set, how it's approached, you've probably turned that splash page into more of a product site. Someone can come there and clearly understand what problem you're solving for who, what is the product, what's its place in the market, um, and you're feeling better about the messaging there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't pay to have that site developed if you didn't know exactly what features were in. And so that, I, I'm, I'm loosely describing month three or four, you're probably refreshing your company's website to now be more of a product site. Can and by, and can, like, go ahead. Can we slow that down a little bit and, and maybe break down that month three or four? Yeah. Like some of the best product pages that you've seen, whether there are ones that you developed yourself uh, or the, there are ones that you have seen, what are some of the things that take, uh, that separate a great product marketing site from a just good or okay, check the box product marketing Yeah, to, to us, our litmus test of good product marketing is get it, love it, want it. Get, get it, it, love, love it, it, want it. it. So if I can, it's just one page. You know, you're not at a, you don't need a 15-page corporate website at this stage, but you need your product 
very quickly to come across where it's very understood someone hits your page and like, I get it. I understand what problem they're solving. I understand the product solution they have. I understand the unique approach to it. And at the highest level, uh, I get I get some semblance of the functionality. Yeah. Okay, don't give them vom- you know vomit of thirty features in a bullet list. That's not that's bad. Yeah. You know, but, but I, you get it. You get the market. You get the product. Um, and really, your site at this at this phase is is pretty product focused. Your company is a product at, at this point. Very little people care about con- you know where you're located or you don't need. I mean, there's things that you might see on a, tra- on a more traditional corporate website. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That, that's really good feedback. Yeah. Anything you'd add, Christian, from a design standpoint? Oh, we haven't mentioned the, the, the B word, which is brand. So I think a lot of the, the enabling glue, can you have enabling glue? I don't know. Well, <laughs> there's glue that enables all of this. It sticks everything together. If, it, if you're holding something together, that enables it to... Yes, glue enabler. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think what, everything Mike said, one thing that we, we kind of, that underpins a lot of that is, is strong brand. Mm. Now... That being said, I don't want to scare everybody to think that you've got to be all... I mean, we've mentioned like a billion things at this point. I think yeah. that you have to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe to, just to, under a billion. Yeah, just on, just shy. But <laughs> I think to Mike's point, uh, we use the word preliminary a lot, again, because these digital products are living and breathing, um, especially if they're AI, robots, and all that. But they're always going to be growing. So a brand in this world also can grow as well. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we definitely advocate having some sort of brand established. And, and when I say brand, it's not just the logo mark. It's not just the color palette. It's the way that you're talking. It's the, it's the way that you communicate what you're going to be delivering to somebody so they know what to expect mm-hmm. from your product when mm-hmm. it's out there. Or mm-hmm. if it's already out there, once they download it or start, start using it. Um, so I think brand is a key piece of this. But in the very beginning, brands can evolve as well. We've worked with companies and just brushed up their brand, a preliminary brand that was, I don't know, three to three to six months of runway, knowing full well that once the product's getting developed and they hit some of their key milestones, they might be going to trade shows, we're going to do a massive revamp of the brand. Okay. And, and a lot of times, I'll be totally honest, some people get cease and desist letters at some point, so they've got to rebrand. I think that happens more often than people maybe talk about it on the outside, but a lot of times people just get a name out there that makes sense. You get some success and you've got to sort of update the brand. So we also talk about at least just having a perspective on the brand to begin with, even if it's not the brand that you're going to be using in a year, you, you should be getting some thought around that so that it, it drives the way that you're talking uh, through all the other product messaging. And if I could add one more thing just on the products brand. I mean, um, preliminary is a good word in this stage because you need to look professional. You need to have a brand that resonates to your market. That's very key. If it's a B2C, it's going to be very different than if it's an enterprise B2B play. You know I mean, that yeah. your, brand, your brand should exude that. But uh, at, the, at the same time, you're only working in hypothesis land at this point, yeah. right? You don't, you don't fully know. Your, you have a hypothesized market. Right. You have a hypothesized buyer that you believe will buy your market. You're hypothesizing about the functionality and the person that will be using it. And your brand should reflect, reflect that vision and hypothesis. But I will tell you, a year later, if you've hit some semblance of product market fit, you'll you'll refresh and fine-tune that brand to be something that's probably going to scale and be your brand for the next you know three to five years yeah but at this at this early stage you're not looking for a scalable brand as much as you are a very true authentic brand right knowing that when you hit product market fit at a later time you can revisit and have the scalable brand that you know is going to be exactly who you are what you've built resonate with the audience of who you want to serve and so forth uh, that's a really great perspective to have. And I think actually segues into something I really wanted to talk to you about, which is 
um, you know, brand is one of those things that can be very subjective. And you, you, you talk to founders or you talk to executives and it's like, this is what it is. And, and I, I feel very passionately that the brand is all about this, but there's not necessarily that like validation that that's what the brand is. Same thing can happen with feature sets. No, like this is what it is because I was our target customer five years ago and I, that's what I would have wanted. Mm-hmm. And sure, there's a time and a place for that, but I know a big piece of product development or good product development is testing and validation. And we haven't talked too much about testing and validation once you've actually shipped features or once you've actually shipped brand. What are some of the best ways that startups, scale-ups, or even enterprises, innovation departments at enterprises can do a better job of testing, getting feedback, and validating their assumptions around brand or features? I think one way that I'll bring up that's maybe not an obvious way, and I've I've learned it by just talking to a lot of heads of product for startups, is how important other functions that are... Let me back up. It, my background is in interaction design, and so a part of that is usability testing. Mm. So usability testing is, you know, you take designers or people trained in design and then go test the product to make sure that it's functioning well or that you find areas of improvement. Um, but... When we talk about validation today, it's not necessarily always usability testing, and you're probably not always going to have a bunch of extra resources that can just, their sole job is validation. So I think what we find a lot of successful product companies do in the early stages rely on other functions to help provide that validation. So you can find it if you're, if you're heavily outbound sales and you're having a lot of conversations, that can be a really great validation point so long as your sales team is talking to your marketing team and talking to your product team. On the product side, you have a lot of customer support. So really strong CS groups, people that are out there like talking on the front lines with existing customers all the time are feeding that back to the product team. So if you- What are are some great tools or processes for making sure- teams are doing that well a tools there's there's a billion tools out there i mean there's <laughs> there's tools like pendo that you can plug into your app you know right away or or user voice and those sorts of things uh, in terms of process um i'm not going to ever claim to be the 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 master of, of process here but i think what I've, I've at least observed it's less about process and more just about everybody getting in the same room so you'll hear salespeople that are sitting in on customer support calls or you will hear about product teams going out in the field uh with with the the product manager and going out to visit uh, customers. You'll hear about product managers doing sort of ride-alongs with sales. So a lot of it, at least from my observation, when they're in the early stages is less about the process, but just to make sure that when you're a team of under 10, you're all product people <laughs> with a digital product. So yeah. it doesn't really matter whether you're in, you know, quote unquote, in sales or, or in marketing. When you're that small, you're all working to get this product out the door, which means that you're all going to have to sort of like go across the, 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 the walls to, to learn what's going on on the other side. So a, a lot of times that's really just what we see is just like flattening the organization on the product side to make sure that everybody is, is learning from customers or prospects through the proper channels. And that's getting shared back to the product team. I really love that you bring that up because, um, it's something we've actually started doing here at powder keg. We have a standing morning meeting. Uh, one of our core values is to practice mindfulness. So every, every day starts at eight fifteen. We do a, a little, uh, mindfulness practice, you know, five, 10 minutes. And then we spend the next five, 10 minutes, uh, story sharing. I had this really great conversation with, you know, Amon Brar from canvas yesterday. This is a real story. And, and, you know, he had this great product feedback based on what he saw in the HR tech space. Um, at, 
does that resonate with anyone else? And then Casey on the sales side can say, well, actually I was just talking to this XYZ enterprise and similar, but different in this sort of a way. Uh, do you have any sort of feedback of how teams can ha better have those kinds of discussions or, um, encourage that kind of product feedback beyond just having a meeting? Yeah. I think the, the biggest one is, um, you have to write the, as a product group in any product conversation, uh, getting at the why mm. of all this feedback is a bit, very important thing. Mm. You know, just because they asked directly for it to do something or they didn't like, what do you not like about it? What problem would that solve? How are you going to do that instead? A lot of open-ended questions. And so if you've at least equipped the organization with kind of that, that approach, mm. the feedback's going to be much better. So I, I mean, Open-ended questions open -ended as opposed questions. to... Uh, you're, you're Tell me what you like. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's leading, but you know, or do you like this? That, yes. That doesn't, you can't do much off of that. Right. Yeah. Um, B better question example would be, um, yeah, what, what, what would be a great like product question? Well, if I, if I get, bring it back to what Mike was talking about, uh, what you're typically going to find is somebody's going to come back with feedback and say, this customer asked for this, say they want to have this new admin screen. So a lot of times we're like, all right, cool. I'm going to go design that and then we're going to code that screen but a better question to say why do they need that screen mm -hmm. this really basic question mm -hmm. i mean you've you've heard probably about the the you know five levels of why those sorts of things and you don't always have to go that yeah, deep <laughs> i don't know that i've ever made it to five except with my kids they they get to five levels pretty quick <laughs> but i think if you just if you take a statement like what i just said that's a pretty common example it's a what it's a i need this or a customer needs this and some mistakes that get made a lot have to do with trying to satisfy existing customers or, or trying to win a deal and just taking the things that they're asking for in a product and just coding it right away. Well, what you've missed there is what's really driving why they actually need that. And if you can get to that why, you're going to find a lot more similarities amongst that prospect or that customer and a bunch of others. But when you get to some specific request, they're just thinking about what they need. The customer thinks, well, I need this. They're not worried about everybody else. Well, guess what? As a product person, you have to worry about everybody else. So when you get feedback like that, that comes in the form of a, of a what in a declaration of what you want in the product, the team has to come back and ask why. Not aggressively to the, to the customer necessarily, but if a salesperson comes back and says that, you, you get the salesperson in the room and get the team to start meeting and say, why do they need that? Because that's going to uncover a lot of hidden opportunities for product development. Yeah, just, just to give a, a more tangible example, just mm -hmm. one that I've, what I've seen. Like, new idea, we're going we're gonna to focus on desktop. You know, we're going to worry about it being fully responsive or have a mobile component at a later time. So the MVP doesn't include mobile, right? Just to give you an example. And then we've got a sales team out selling it. Might be in a sales conversation that says, does this work on mobile app? A fine answer at that point by the sales rep would be, say, not in the MVP where that's on the roadmap. That would be a fine answer. If, if that feedback is handled incorrectly, sales rep comes back to the product person and says, it, we need to have this work on mobile for the MVP. Mm, yeah. Okay. The why was completely lost there. And by the way, the why in that example may have just been curiosity. If you were to even, if the sales were even to go back to the, to the request and say, why do you need to work on mobile? But, oh, I don't know. I was just curious. It, may, <laughs> it could be that, right? Right. Why do you need it to work on mobile? Is there a set of workflows that you need to do in transit? Are you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get to the bottom of this. If you just take the feedback straight is, um, it can really be jerking around where you're really trying to take this product. You know? I, I want to dive just a little bit deeper on the personal side on the magic that 
Innovate Map has in product design and product development process. You know, I, I see you here uh, with your notebook uh, out here on the table. Uh, how are you capturing some of this information? And uh, do you have any own personal sort of rituals or process of capturing some of this product feedback or capturing some of the testing notes or some of the ideas that come to you that, that you want to test in market? What are some of those more nuanced things to you personally? Me personally. So, I, I mean, you're, you're staying on my note because I always have a field note in my back pocket. And then I can, and I'm just, why? Uh, it, I either write down an idea that comes to me. Um, honestly, sometimes scra- scratching screens, you know, pen scratching screens. Yeah. Uh, that's starting to make no sense. So I, but you know what I mean? I don't know. What you yeah. Mean. Yeah. I'm just getting the idea out. I yeah. got to get, get it out. Um, why, why do you need to get it out? That's three. That's three. I'm, I'm getting to five. That's oh, goal. you do. That's good. <laughs> Boy, that was completely lost on me. I <clears throat> uh, get the thought. It's see it. Yeah. Uh, be able to remember it later so I can socialize it with someone else. Yeah. You know, I, I just capture the feedback. Um, uh, honestly, if you if, if it's conversations, be prepared to take notes on it uh, so you can translate it back. If it's uh, if you have the means to record. Yeah, that's great, too. Yeah. So you mean like an actual voice record or a video record? Where appropriate. Yes. Right. Yeah. Obviously, with permission. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so if, if you're asking me to some personal tricks to, to, as, as I'm trying to vet an idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in having design there to socialize the idea. Uh, and any, e- even any, if design is, is my own chicken scratch correct, on a piece of paper. Correct. Just, and then, and then I, I think sometimes the word design and I'm standing in the presence of a master. Yeah, you're, so we're, I, we're offending I, I, I also don't yeah. want to offend, yeah. but like it also shouldn't necessarily always be put on a pedestal to the standpoint of like, Oh, I, I, I can't draw this because I, it won't do the idea justice. Right. Your your believers of get it out there early, get it out there ugly. I'm if, probably if you, irresponsibly. Uh, uh, so Mike and I both, I think, are probably irresponsibly <laughs> get it out there early. Uh, we we <laughs> Mike has a scratch pad because he's thinking of ideas all the time. I'm the same way. Mike and I are, are too similar in that regard. So we talk about how we've helped build Innovate Map. So I said in, in my background, in my in in my training in human computer interaction design, uh, a lot of that is all about research as well. And uh, I learned early on that research is not my forte, and it's probably when, when I'm when I'm in a user interview, a lot of times my brain just starts going off and thinking of the solutions. That's not great. Um, so why, well, why is that not great? Well, because you exactly, yeah, you're missing out on what they're telling you right there. And a lot of times I just start solutionizing uh, right there, and my brain—it's like it's just like daydreaming, and my brain's gone at that point, and I and I'm not listening for for more nuggets there. And great research means that you you literally don't synthesize in the moment. You synthesize later. Mm. So um, I think my brain typically just kind of starts thinking of, oh, this is great. I've got a great idea for this. And then it's just gone. So <laughs> what we've done is complemented our, our, our team with, with a research org. So Anna Eaglin, who's, who heads up our research practice, um, and then people like Lacey Lavies that sort of head up our product management, they're our compliments on this side. And so I said earlier that, you know, you can try to get validation from, from other roles just because not every company startup company has got the luxury of having dedicated roles like that. We are lucky enough to have that. So we have a team that really specializes in research and what their specialties are is actually getting out there, remaining objective, going prepared with, with sort of semi-structured interviews where you say, I have an idea of the things that I want to learn, but I'm not going to dictate it all. I'm going to let the conversation sort of flow. And then after that, we're synthesizing. If I'm going to do any pitch for a product, uh, it'll either be Dropbox paper or Airtable. And Airtable is like 
the Microsoft Access that anybody who had to use that growing up, oh, like that man. we all wish that we I'm had. Having flashbacks. It's it is like everything that that was supposed to be, but a lot better. So we use Airtable to collect a lot of these data points, and yeah. you're theming them, you're figuring out where the most important points are, you're seeing how many times something comes up, and you start flagging it. Mm. So you go through those notes later because a lot of times your brain's untrustworthy in the moment. Well, clearly mine's very untrustworthy, but even a good researcher is going to have to go back and look at all that and actually make sense of what that is and sort of bubble up the key themes that are coming out. Those themes that come out of good research, these can be 45 to 60 minute interviews with, with people. When those start to get themed, those themes end up driving the product innovation. That's where like the really good uh, hidden opportunities lie. It's mm-hmm. not in the stuff that you thought. Even if you know 90% of what you want to bring to market, um, that other 10% that you didn't know that you found out through research is really what's going to be the innovative secret stuff. Secret I appreciate sauce. you uh, sharing some of your own personal secret sauce here. Um, you know What Innovate Map offers in a lot of ways is like, product development team as a service. Um, and, and so in a lot of ways, I look to you as the experts at product development and that potential outsourced product development team. Can you maybe share on here kind of what you consider as like that, that who needs to be on a product development team? Like who are those key players? We, we've talked about them today, um, yeah. but, but not necessarily like as a whole, who is the product development team? Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm not trying to pitch Innovate Map with this comment, but what we kind of exist to be, I and mean, even why we even founded it, was to be a full A caliber virtual product team uh, when you can't, or at a point you can't W2 it. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's, yep. and that's real. I mean, if you're, a, to Christian's point, a team of five or 10, roles that you ideally would have, product, you know, a product management organization that's strong in product strategy as well as uh, product owner best practices to really quarterback the, the, the roadmap, but also the development of it, mm-hmm. okay, to work with the engineering team. Yeah. Um, you also ideally would have excellent Product researchers were asking all these questions about how do we get feedback. Uh, there are people that are excellent at it. And typically in a product management function, you might have people that have skilled in, in how to conduct these conversations well, yeah. how to address feedback, how to theme it, how to analyze it, how to prioritize it. Yep. Uh, ideally, you'd also have UX design. You know, and, and UX design is a variety. There's you know, strategic design, people that can start from zero, and there's high-end production design. Once the patterns have been established, um, they can carry forth, you know, some of the features. So UX design would exist as well. We haven't spent a lot of time on product marketing and product brand. Um, I not mean, not in this show. Not on this show. But, you know, as we, as we to get to the launch of the product, and maybe we do get to it a little bit later in this, uh, you ideally have great product marketing. Some of the, and that's, you don't be, you're not able to W2 those eight roles when you're, I mean, you got to, and, and you got to build and sell it first. You got to have tech. I mean, right. it's got to be right. technical excellence. So, right. I mean, but if you're looking at building out a good product competency, those are really the roles you'd be looking at. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's, let's briefly dive into that because we've talked about most of the stages of product development yeah. um, and that whole process. Let's talk about that product launch. Yeah. So the biggest thing I like Christian said is this thread, I'm going to use a fake, I'm going to use that hypothetical timeline of a, a, an idea at zero to six months. Okay. Um, you know, month, month one and two, you're, you're really conceptualizing and, and, and validating uh, and, and planning, you know, and then you're probably sprinting for the next, you know, months three to six building. it. Yep. Uh, in month two or three, you need to really start thinking about your marketing and your sales strategy. So you need to be strategizing because that needs to be a parallel fed that is not a last minute thought. And I'll just give you two examples of what I mean by that. If it's a B2C product, that thing launches with the marketing plan ready to execute. Yeah. Okay. You, because it, you only get one chance. I've never found out an, about an app, 
down, been so compelled to try it, downloaded it, and if it stinks, I've never given it a try six months later. So the you know you've got a whole you know very involved uh, attention grabbing marketing strategy that has a lot to think about. If it's B two B, you're probably complementing a marketing strategy with a very strong sales strategy. So things that you got to be thinking about in month three or four is positioning, messaging, uh, demo, packaging, pricing, sales tools, marketing content for the product that you're now building. And that's it. That's so it. Just, 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 just a few just, things. Start thinking about that stuff. Yeah. That's um, why you need to start thinking about it early. Yeah. And what's, what's tough is you can't, uh, and, it, and it's the reason I'm saying it's not really, you know, have a strategy, start thinking about the strategy at the early phases, but the, the product is so, it's so morphing at this moment. Yeah. You, re you really can't fully like bless the market ready sales content and marketing content until you know what's actually in the product. Yep. You know what I mean, so a lot of the features haven't actually been enveloped in, um, you know, but by, by the time you're sitting in month four, five, or six, you're ready to actually launch a sales plan. You're able and equip sales team with the hypothetical and preliminary messaging that you're hoping is going to work. But once again, you're going to be learning on that too. Yeah. Uh, you're equipping the marketing team to refresh any content, any with, with the product functionality. Um, but that, that stuff should be, where I'm getting at is that stuff should be thought of in parallel in the middle stage, yep. but it really starts to be activated uh, at the launch of your product. This goes back to this yep. concept of being agile throughout the whole right. uh, process and being able to react to what you're learning uh, as you're learning it. Absolutely. I think you have hypotheses. I think even when you launch, I think there's still a lot, there's still a tendency. I have this tendency myself to view the launch as like a grand opening of a restaurant. Like this is it. And then this restaurant's going to be like this for the foreseeable future. But in the digital product world, it's very exciting to get it out and everybody should rally around a launch day. But ultimately, all you've done is just made a public announcement that here's your first like broadly publicized hypothesis. Yep. That's it. And that's on everything. That's that's from every single thing that you put into it at this point. It's still just a hypothesis that you're testing out. Yeah. And some things are going to work really well. The product features might just like catch fire right yeah. away. But you start finding that you're not resonating with people on the website because your messaging's off or you had a distinct user base in mind or you had a very broad one saying we're going to be for every HR professional. And then you start realizing that doesn't make sense to anybody. We need to start honing it. What we're finding is that, you know, our product is really used by this particular segment of recruiters or something like that. So you go back to the messaging, you update your messaging to be targeted on recruiters. So everything is sort of is sort of agile at this point, but it's also just a mindset that when you launch, be prepared that this is just getting out there and that it's it's not undesirable to go back and change. You should be uh, welcoming that and just always sort of pulling different levers on the product side to sort of match what you're hearing. Yeah, yeah that's the, good. The one thing I'd add that I just a common thing I see wrong is you're going to want to start two, two audience threads. The product needs to resonate with the user and needs to resonate with the buyer. Um, and, and if you can even make that mental separation, sometimes, very often in a, B, well, in a B2C world, it's the same person but most often the time, um, unless it's a child after yeah, you got to yeah, sell it to the mom or something like that. But yeah. in, in the B2B world, it's often very different audiences. Yeah. You know, so you've got, you know, you got your product manager and UX thread very much worried about is it resonating with the user, but you additionally need to make sure that that product, its feature set, the problems it's solving, the messaging resonates with the buyer. Yeah. Uh, and very often those are different. And I, I see too often that a lot of companies, preliminary product marketing is all product speak. Yep. Meaning it's, they're very proud of what they've built and their, their product site is going to show off all the features they have. And that might be great, 
you're, I'm glad you're proud of it, but it's not, you're not <laughs> selling to the user in, right. in, 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 in some circumstances, right. right? That B2C aside, in which case you've really got to think through as you're testing out and pay attention to sales, pay attention to marketing. Where is it resonating? Why is it resonating? What's the pain that's being solved? What's the feature that's resonating? And, and you're really fine tuning that along the way. I could uh, probably ask you four or five, six more hours of questions here, but uh, I don't think we have enough beer to, to make that happen today. <laughs> so we'll, we're going to have to have you back. But in the meantime, uh, I heard you guys have a new podcast. We do. I actually, I know that because I've binge list, been binge listening to it and I've actually got your better product sticker right here on my I, laptop. I, I'll verify that yeah. I'm looking at it. So it's very, very appreciated. Yeah. Th this is my daily reminder to focus on better products. Yeah. Um, as if I didn't need enough reminder from, uh, <laughs> my, my team and my investors, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I really love, um, I really am loving that podcast and you've Great. had some amazing people on the show. I mean, talk about some of the guests that you've had. Oh gosh. Yeah. So we've, so, so far right now we've had Kyle Lacey who heads up, you know, uh, marketing at Lesson Lee, which, you know, people in Indy should know really well. Um, we've had Miles Grody and Tyler Hill who head up product and design at Upper Hand. We've had Dan Hanrahan, um, who is product the founders, yeah. yeah product mi product minded founder, as Mike likes to say, uh, at Sigster and a lot of product chops yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, we've had Chelsea Linder as well, G Beta with uh, the G Beta Accelerator here locally. We've had a lot of product people still coming out. Dan Moyers with One Twenty Water Audit. Um, so we've had a lot of people in different like product facing roles, whether it's on the marketing side, on the design side, or just product management. So if, if listeners like this conversation, they're going to find a lot more and a lot more detail in those conversations. Yeah. And if I might say, I love that you said that, Matt, because you hit on what we, what we're trying to accomplish in this is we're big podcast people and there's tons of stuff on how to raise, uh, you know, how to build a company, uh, tons of podcasts where a company can showcase who they are and tell their company's story, how to raise funds. There's not, we did not see anything out there, uh, that was product level conversations, yeah. you know, and we, you know, we've had this uh, luxury of, a, uh, of being a part of these conversations, being with uh, founders, uh, heads of products, great stories to be told, uh, you know, felt that the, the better product podcast could get to the depth of that, those stories. And if people want to yeah. check that out, where do they find it? You can go to innovatemap.com slash podcast, or you can look for the better product podcast anywhere you listen. I mean, it's literally on every single platform from Spotify to, to Apple to Stitcher, wherever. Perfect. Well, and we'll link it up in the show notes. Yeah. If people want to follow you on Twitter, what are your uh, Twitter handles? Mine's not very active. It's pretty much just, uh, I, I don't find much use in using Twitter anymore. Just get in trouble. So, where where uh, are you? <laughs> I'm lurking on Twitter. You can find me at uh, C-M-B-E-C-K underscore. Um, but we'll, I'm probably, we'll link that up too. Yeah, then. you can go ahead and do that. It, it's, all, it's all fine now. But uh, uh, you can you hit us up on Innovate Map on Twitter as well. We, uh, we all kind of chip in on that account. That's so if you ask us questions there, we'll, we'll reply. And on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more active. Great. That's it. I I'm, I'm the same way on Twitter. I'm at MRENS, uh, but as well, LinkedIn's a great one. But I, I really, the Innovate Map brand, to Christian's point, we're all contributing on that. Um, if you're intrigued and just hearing, uh, we're more active on that than personally on. Yeah. On well, and I love the articles you're sharing from there. Yeah. We'll make sure we link that up. Uh, thank you both for being here today and sharing Absolutely. your expertise. Happy uh, to. Thanks for having us, man. We'll have you back soon. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and thank you so much for tuning in today. To be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs, investors, and other tech leaders outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com forward slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on Powderkeg Igniting Startups.